Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach. I'm here with Laura. Today we're here with Logan Yuri, who is easily one of the most interesting and intelligent people we've ever talked to on the podcast. She happens to have written a book called How to Not Die Alone which is really for folks who are dating or who are new in relationships, but it's fantastic. And I'm definitely going to be recommending it to my clients. I think you should check it out. I also wanted to say that Laura and I are newly committed to uh, upping our social media game. We have a Facebook page called Marriage Therapy Radio, maybe with Zach and Laura. If you're not following us now, please do that. Um, I also started an Instagram page and um, I have not posted a single thing there, but I want you to follow us and that'll motivate me. In fact, do it right now. I think your phone's probably in your hand or near you. Um, Just roll on over to Instagram and follow us. And if you're following Logan on the socials, you should follow us. We love her. She loves us. We're cool. She's cool. Um, And if you don't believe me, uh, this is a very cool conversation. Stick around. This is the third time that we've tried talking to Logan Yuri. And I just want to say that before we get into any content about your book <laughs> or about about your like just whatever general wisdom, you're one of the most genuinely one of the most pleasant people I've ever interacted with. And so thank you for Very making true. this easy. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Sometimes I don't feel that way about myself, but I'm glad that you feel that. Are way. you feeling pleasant today? Literally, if we never talk about your book and we all we do is just shoot the shit with each other, then people yes. are going to want to buy it. So, but we'll do that. I promise. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I love that. Um, yeah, I am in a good mood today. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Phew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it. Yeah. We recorded an entire interview. It was an hour long and it was so good. It was so good. And it was about 40 minutes of us just shooting this shit. And then we're like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's finally get down to it and talk about this book. Cause it's amazing. And Logan said words and I was like, Whoa, I've never even heard that word before. And it was like, mm-hmm. I can't wait to listen back to this interview and learn things. And then uh, I ruined it. I, Zach ruined mm-hmm. it. Me. I ruined it because I didn't hit the right button. So anyway, uh, that's a big step for you taking ownership, like the, the antidote to defensiveness. That's I'm learning good. all about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, um, so let's let's just like give a little bit of a heads up. So it's interesting because I was just telling um, Zach that I have heard the name Logan around the Gottman Institute. I've heard it around my circle of friends that are all within like positive psychology and the realm of couples therapy. And then finally, when I got to meet you, it was very exciting. So I'm happy to have another date with you. It's like a second date. See, we didn't give up on number one. We, I brought you back for number two. We're not going to die alone. I love that. You must have heard that my love language. Which is words of affirmation because this is all working very well. <laughs> well, and you didn't even need pumping up, but we'll pump you up. We want to talk about the book, How to Not Die Alone. This is the first book that you've written, right? And I say first because yeah. I'm pretty certain that you're going to, you know, get contracted to write a million more um, after this uh, really hits and people start really reading it. Thank you. So, okay, can you just explain a little bit about your background and how this came into play with writing the book? Sure. Yeah. So I've always had these two areas of interest, psychology and the science of decision-making and then love, sex and dating. And so in college, I studied psychology and I thought a lot about um, what are the nudges? What are the small interventions that we can do to change how people behave? And then after college, I was lucky enough to work at Google with one of my mentors, Dan Ariely, who wrote this great book called Predictably Irrational. And I was able to run the behavioral science team there with him. And behavioral science is a fancy way of saying the study of how we make decisions. And so at Google, what that meant was how can we get people to open our emails? How can we get people to sign up and make a YouTube account? All of these different things. But as I was doing that work, which was really fun and interesting, I was also single and mm. I was looking for love and I was spending six hours a day on Tinder and I was, I was just struggling. And <laughs> I was like, just, just lock down a date already with Tinder. Six hours is a long time to spend. Oh yeah. I mean, six hours, lots of swiping, having fun, but you know, it just, I was like, there's this great experiment happening right now. Like I was you know, I guess this was around like 2012, 2013. It was like, okay, like there had been Grinder, where, um, you know, gay men were using these swiping apps. Now straight people have these swiping apps. It was just this interesting thing. And I was like, what I really care about is dating and relationships. And so I took what I knew about how people make decisions and I applied mm -hmm. it to dating and relationships. And that's what I've been doing for, you know, the last six, seven years, which is I basically see relationships as, a culmination of decisions. So you make good decisions and you propel yourself into a great relationship. You make mm -hmm. bad decisions and you repeat the same bad patterns over and over and you wind up alone or with somebody in a not satisfying relationship. And so what I really try to do is take what I know about relationships and take what I know about decision-making and apply the two to help people overcome their bad patterns and really find love. So there, so people are going to push back on this because of this, which is to go, Logan, no dating is, it's art. It's beautiful. It's fluid. It's, it's exists in the ether. Like it's not science. You can't, that, that's not a thing you can do. Like why you're, you're doing it all wrong. You're making it wooden, right? This mm -hmm. is a piece that you mm -hmm. have heard, but I actually love it because, um, my brain needs to organize things. And, um, I want to like, how do you respond to those people who are going to immediately go, nah, not for me. I'm looking for the, the magic, the spark. Like I want to feel yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely gotten that before. And so my response to that is that yes, love is natural. Love is organic. Love is something that we're born knowing how to do. 
But that's not the same as dating. We're not born knowing how to date. We're not born knowing how to choose our partner for the rest of our lives. And that if you actually mm-hmm. look at the span of human history, right? We had matchmakers. Our parents were negotiating our marriage for us. Our community mm-hmm. told us who we were going to marry. And so this idea that we're just a solo person navigating the world, figuring out who to marry, that's actually a very new thing. And so I think it should be humbling for people, which is... Um, you know, this is a hard thing and I should learn how to do it, but it should also be empowering. Dating is a skill and you can learn how to get better at it. Yeah. I love that. Mm. I I actually say that to my clients all the time. Like this is a skill, which means if it's a skill, you can learn it. And if you can learn it, you can master it. Um, and, but yeah, where do you think this, I mean, maybe it's obvious, but this bias that Mm. we're supposed to know how to do this, where does that come from? Oh, I think it's fascinating because In so many parts of the world, we care about the science behind things, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you were trying to lose weight, you might learn about nutrition and you might say like, how do calories work? Calories in, calories out, exercise versus nutrition. There's this idea that like there's a body of work on this and I can learn it. Same thing with personal finance or, you know, math, learning how to code, whatever it is. But we put love in this other category where somehow we're going to ruin it if we actually apply some sort of academic theory to it. And that's just the opposite Mm. of how I feel. It's like relationships are one of the most important things in your life. Our Mm -hmm. health, happiness, and overall life satisfaction hinge on the quality of our relationships. Isn't that more than anything worthy of investigation, study, improvement, et cetera? Hmm, I dig it. Hmm. Okay. So I, I do have a question. I actually had just sent a text to a friend of mine who has been single for quite a long time. He's in and out of relationships and these relationships last, you know, for a couple of years and then they dissolve, but he's sort of like perpetually in mm-hmm. these relationships and his deepest desire is to find someone that he can create a family with. And so I find like he's like, I feel like I'm doing it all right. And I'm like, I, I don't know. There's got to be something that you're missing. I'm wondering if there are these common mistakes that people are making on a regular basis when they are choosing that partner and where you find those mistakes come from. Like, how are they backed up by the research that you have? Yeah, found? that's so interesting. And I, I would love to ask you more questions about your friend. But Let's I can do it. Let's talk about start. your friend. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can start with the general framework, which is just, you know, I've been doing this dating coaching for a long time. I've talked to all these different types of people in different countries, different ages, different orientation, sexuality, et cetera. And I, I found that a lot of people suffered from the same dating blind spots, which are, you know, patterns of behavior or ways of thinking that are holding them back. And so when I categorized mm-hmm. them, I was like, what they all have in common is that they have unrealistic expectations. And so I've broken mm-hmm. it down into this thing called the three dating tendencies. And so the first one is the romanticizer. And this is the person who mm-hmm. has unrealistic expectations of relationships. And so they're like, I love love. I want the soul you know, we're going to reach for the perfect tomato at the same time at the farmer's market. And they're so obsessed with the narrative and the how we met. And the issue with the romanticizer is that they just think that love's supposed to work a certain way and be easy. And then when love isn't easy, which inevitably it isn't, they give up. They're like, must not be my soulmate. The second one is the Mm -hmm. maximizer. And this is the person I think our society is really creating this type of person right now. Mm -hmm. They are always looking for the next best thing. Grass is always greener, right? I like my girlfriend, but could I be 5% happier with somebody else? Or I wish I could take the best parts of all my exes and put them together. And they never just find someone great and commit. They find somebody great and then say, well, Mm -hmm. who's a little bit greater? And the issue is that... Mm -hmm. Great relationships are not about finding the perfect partner. They're about finding a great partner and then investing and building in that relationship. But the maximizer is so focused on research and and finding the perfect person. And then 
The third one is the hesitator, and they have unrealistic expectations of themselves. They feel like, I'm sure you two see this a lot in therapy, right? It's like, I'm just not, yeah. I'm not lovable yet. Like I, I need a more impressive job. I need to lose weight. I need to figure out my relationship with my dad, whatever it is. And they're like, one day I'll wake <laughs> up and be ready to date, but I'm not there yet. And I don't want to put myself right. out there until I'm, I'm dateable. But the truth is that dating is a mm -hmm. skill as we discussed, and that you don't learn how to date or learn who you want to be with until you actually date. And so for the hesitator, the work is really putting yourself out there, even though you don't feel a hundred percent ready. That's a, I love that you call it the tendencies and it just makes me think of mm -hmm. Gretchen Rubin, who I just have such a high, um, mm -hmm. respect for in the books that she's written with her, um, sort of categories when it comes to tendencies. So I totally agree. I think that there are a lot of maximizers right now. I think we're kind of built in the mentality, especially in the United States of trying to maximize, trying to always climb that ladder. And that's something with the Gottman Institute, when we are working with couples is helping them to recognize like you, you don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater in this relationship. It's good to understand that it doesn't matter who you've decided to partner with, you're still going to have tension. You're still going to have differences and that it's the 69, the majority a percentage of those 10 tensions that you have in the relationship where you have to put hard work in to navigate those, but they're inevitable with no matter who you partner with. I'm really just kind of like committing, like you said, investing in that relationship to make it the best that it possibly can yeah, be. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll also say that I'm very influenced by Gretchen Rubin. I've had the opportunity to interview mm. her and she definitely inspired the three tendencies. And I also know that I'm an obliger and that affects how I, <laughs> how I wrote the book, how I show up in my relationship. Like I think in general, why you when do you interviews like three times. <laughs> I was just going to yes. say why you came yes, back. No, it's true. It's so true, right? <laughs> because I had an appointment with you, I was going to show up. But if I had had this appointment on my calendar yep. that said like, you know, do research for blah, 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 I would have like sat and like, you know, eaten breakfast or something by myself. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms, you know, I'm extremely influenced by the Gottmans. I'm so glad that the information that they've mm -hmm. put out there exists. And that particular stat that you mentioned, the 69% of problems are perpetual. It's a good tongue twister. Um, I think that's really important because <laughs> sometimes people call me, I do these breakup consulting conversations and they'll say, you know, everything is great about my boyfriend except blank. And then I say to them like, Okay. Right. Yeah. That's actually a pretty big thing, but it's not like if you found someone else, everything would be perfect. There would be a different, mm -hmm. but blank. And so you're right. The, the thing that you have to go through when you're saying, am I going to commit to this person for the rest of my life is, is this a problem that I'm willing to put up with? And is this something that I can mm -hmm. handle as opposed to, well, I'll just go out and find the next person and they're going to be perfect because that's really setting yourself up for failure. It's funny that I had started talking about my friend because one of the things that he did when he divorced was he actually set up a spreadsheet of all the women that he had dated. He's very data driven. And I think he got to maybe 200. And it just made me think when I had read your book about, is it called the secretary, secretary dilemma? Yeah. Okay. I remember problem. Okay. Um, can you explain a little bit about the mathematics behind that? Because it sort of blew my mind that there actually are people in this world that like keep track of the number of people that they date and why that's important. And I just thought it was fascinating that you had already dug into that. Oh yeah. I love that story. And I've definitely had coaching clients where over zoom at some point I'm like, are you looking at a spreadsheet of your past relationships? And they're like, how did you know? And I'm like, cause I've met maximizers before and this is what you do. 200 yeah. is a lot. Like you're <laughs> must have a good memory or maybe he's been tracking for a while, but or he's a, or he's a slut. Oh, he's totally tracking. 
<laughs> and he's super yeah. attractive. So like he's very enticing. People yeah. have no problem dating um, him. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely get into the secretary problem. And one other thing I would say is like for anyone listening who does feel like they'd benefit from a spreadsheet like that, it's not that I think you just need to keep track of everyone you've ever dated, but I actually would recommend having columns like how did we meet? What did I like about them? What did I not like about them? And why did it end? Because I do believe in mm. auditing your dating life. And so maybe if you realize, oh, I tend to only meet people on this one app or I meet people at dinner parties, that's good data for you to emphasize that in the future. Or, oh, I'm always the one to end things. Like what's going on for me? And so 200 in a spreadsheet is a lot, but there is something good about looking at your history. But yeah, oh, let, my, me, can I, oh, let me just yeah, say this ahead. part too, which is um, there's a, what's the subtitle of the book? Uh, the surprising science that can help you find love. Find love. Yeah. So I read it and I was like, um, well, first of all, whenever I say I read a book that I didn't read, I have to acknowledge that I didn't read it because I actually listened to it, which is how I, I, first... I think in these days that counts. Okay. Well, I just, but I'm, I have an English <laughs> yes. degree and I care about stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I wanted to say, I read it in this, when Mindy Kaling has this joke, it was on the, it was, she was like, I read it in a book I listened to once. Um, <laughs> but um, I, A, listening to it's fantastic because you read it, which is really cool. Um, but secondarily, I, as I was reading it, I realized like, it's not just for people who are looking or who are dating. Like, I think it's mm -hmm. actually quite helpful or can be quite helpful for um, people who are either like already engaged or who are just new in the relationship because there's so much orienting and contextualizing that I mm -hmm. think is really powerful even if you're still looking for love. So don't let the subtitle throw you off. I think it's a yeah. powerful book. And now you're going to tell us about the secretary problem. Sure. Yeah. And I would say I worked so hard on the title and I care so much <laughs> about it. And the subtitle, I was like, I don't know, this is good enough. And so sometimes I read it. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't actually explain what the book is about. And so I'm on the same page. It's like a lot more than just finding love. Um, yeah. Let's get into the secretary problem. So there the. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a field of mathematics called optimal stop theory. By the way, is, when we first started and I said, she said yeah. these words and I didn't know what that was. And <laughs> I was like, what was it called? And I was so happy that you just said it again. Optimal so stop glad. theory. Here we go. Yeah. And so it's basically like whatever you're doing, at what point should you stop and making make a decision? And so the secretary problem is this famous example of this, where imagine that you are hiring a secretary and you have 100 possible candidates and you have to go through them one at a time. And after each one, you have to say yes or no. And so if you decide too early, maybe you don't know who's out there and you decide on somebody who's you know not that great in the pool. If you decide too late, what if all the good people came earlier? And so the question is, at what point should you choose someone? And so the mathematically correct answer is that you should go through 33 of the candidates. After you've done that, 
you say, who was the single best candidate of all of the first 33? That person is now your meaningful benchmark Mm -hmm. that you judge other people against. The next time that you find someone who's as good or better than that first candidate, you commit to them, you hire them. And why this is, is in the first 33, you got a sense of who's out there. And then there's not maybe tons of people out there like that. But the next time you find someone like that, you, you snatch them up and you hire them. And so when you're thinking about that with dating, you don't know how many people you could possibly date, but you might say something like, how many years am I going to be dating? And so this is a specific example that I got from the book Algorithms to Live By. So let's say you're going to date from age 18 to 40. What is 33% of those years. It's when you're age 26.1. So when you're 26.1 years old, you've already gone through 33% of your dating life. And then you're going to say, who was the single best person that I've dated until now? That person is now your meaningful benchmark. The next time you find someone who you like as much or more than that person, you commit to them. And so why this is important to your friend is that Mm. 200 is a lot. Instead of saying the perfect person is 201 Mm -hmm. and I've never met anyone better than them, it's you probably Mm -hmm. have already dated somebody who'd make a great partner. And so figure out who your meaningful benchmark is. Mm -hmm. And the next time you find someone who you like as much or more Mm -hmm. than them, commit to them and make it work as opposed to this maximizer thing of, eh, she's great, but who else Mm -hmm. is out there? That's it. Wow. It makes me think about just... (laughs) a lot of how the tendencies really play into this benchmark and how I can see that being a struggle for some people, even just getting out there and saying, I don't want to date 27 people, 33 Mm -hmm. people, however many. You know, Zach and I are huge fans of getting support, especially during abnormally stressful times like these. This is why we have partnered with BetterHelp to put you in contact with licensed professional counselors in your area. Tap into the world's largest network of licensed, accredited, and experienced counselors who can help you with a range of issues, including depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. With BetterHelp's counselors, you get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from an in-office counselor but with the ability to communicate when and how you want. The matching process is quick but thorough, and you have the ability to communicate with your therapist how you like it, whether it be messaging, over the phone, or video conferencing. I know that in-person therapy sessions aren't feasible right now, and a lot of therapists are booked out, but don't let that stop you from getting the support that you need. The cost is less than half of what Zach and I charge, which is kind of unheard of. And when you register with BetterHelp, you're supporting Marriage Therapy Radio. Go to trybetterhelp.com forward slash MTR to register. Try T-R-Y better B-E-T-T-E-R help. H-E-L-P dot com forward slash MTR to register with BetterHelp. I did have a question because you had mentioned online dating and um, I'm thinking about my brother who's a single gentleman and I, I made his profile for him thinking that his sister would do a better job of making his online dating profile on match.com. And I just was kind of wondering, are there some mistakes that people make or ways that we find might be getting in the way? Like we might be getting in the way of ourselves of finding a good partner based on what we're observing on these profiles. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, so my day job is I work as the director of relationship science at Hinge. And so I have the chance to actually do research, not on just what the dozens of clients I've seen are doing, but what are the, you know, millions of people using dating apps, what are they doing? And so Mm -hmm. there are some typical mistakes. And so some of it is the framework that we talked about, the three dating tendencies, which is, you know, your mindset and your expectations. But there's also some very tangible things that I can talk about that people are doing wrong. So Mm -hmm. one of them is just the profile. I think people often rush through their profile because they're trying to get to their matches. Mm. But in the end, your profile is your opening line. Your profile is putting yourself out there. And so you really want to have a profile that speaks to who you are. And so my my key Mm -hmm. tips there are having photos that are flattering, but accurate, um, showing a mixture of stuff, right? I've seen profiles where it's one guy wearing sunglasses, taking selfies in front of different national monuments. I'm like, all right, buddy, like we got in the fact that you, you know, you, you went to DC. You like once. to travel. Yeah. That you like to travel. It's like, show me a picture of you with your friends, you and your family, you doing a hobby that you love. You know, I want a full body picture. I want kind of a headshot, like variety. I want your, your profile is telling a story. And so that's a big mistake I, I see people make is not actually emphasizing the right things in their profile. Another thing, is that people are way too judgmental early on. We just did this really Mm -hmm. interesting research at Hinge that shows that you can't really experience chemistry with someone until you're in a live conversation. So phone call, video chat, Mm -hmm. or in person. But 26% of people say that they're evaluating chemistry at the messaging or texting phase. Mm -hmm. That's way too early. Mm -hmm. Like there's no such thing. People are going to disagree with this, but there's no such thing as text chemistry. Maybe somebody sucks (laughs) at texting, but that's actually because they're a very present person who's very with whoever they're with. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 uh, say, oh, they're not into me. It's like, no, 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 like get to the phone call, get to the video date, get to the in-person mm-hmm. date and then evaluate chemistry. And so I think people write each other off for the wrong reasons. They write each other off too soon. And so my general philosophy is fewer, better dates. Really focus on getting to know someone, trying to experience connection with them, having fun. And don't just focus mm-hmm. on, you know, quantity of how many people you're texting, but actually get to dates with people and, and explore things with them. Okay. This kind of cracks me up a little bit because I, I got my first email when I was 21 years old. Um, so I don't know anything about any of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> oh, I had a man. friend who, who was recently divorced and we were sitting down on his tender and he was like, yeah, just try it out. He gave it to me, gave me his phone. And he was like, just hold on, hold on. Did you call it Tender? I don't know what I called it. It was just his, his t- app, t- Tinder. Tinder. There's no vowel in it, right? It's just a TN. I could put any vowel I, I, I want know, in there. But it is. Um, call <laughs> okay. it Tinder. Is it T-I-N-D-E-R? <laughs> yeah. No. I thought it was one of those Sorry, fancy you're such a married names. man. <laughs> but I, so I spent, I don't know, 10 minutes on his Tinder. And uh, mm-hmm. I was terrified. Absolutely terrified. And it wasn't even me. It was like it was like him and his and all these people, and I was like, I, I would I would be completely overwhelmed. But uh, let's say I, this is something I am intrigued by. Let's say you get the date, and here you are, you're meeting the stranger. How does that go well? How do you make that work? The first like interaction face to face in yeah, person. Yeah, here we are, like oh hey, nice to meet you in real life. What what am I supposed to do? How then? to not screw it up? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So is the question like, how do you make the most of a first date? Well, you said fewer, better dates. Mm, Well, what's a good date? Yeah. I love this question. And so my biggest issue with modern dating right now is that 
dates feel like job interviews, Mm -hmm. right? So like I'm sitting across from you at a coffee shop and I say to you, Zach, you know, did you go to college? What did you study? How many siblings do you have? What's your five-year plan? And I'm basically like evaluating you for role of spouse. Do you check off all the, all the Mm. boxes? And then you are doing the same thing and you're evaluating me. And in our head, we're both like, is this person good enough for me? And that is not fun at all, right? Nobody thinks job interviews are fun. So dates that feel like job interviews are also not fun. Mm. What a good date feels like is focusing on connection. And so what that might be is that instead of sitting across from each other at a brightly lit coffee shop, we actually go for a walk in our neighborhood. And I say, let's do, um, you know, a taco tour of the mission in San Francisco. And we're going to try five different tacos and pick our favorite. And now, you know, salsa's dripping out of my face. And we mm. have a funny interaction with somebody in line at the taco place. And we're having an experience. We're hanging out. I'm seeing you in context. I'm seeing you in the world. We're being playful. We're, we're having fun. And that's that's such better information around who somebody is than mm. things like how many siblings you have, because that just doesn't really matter. And so what is fun on a date is having an experience, being playful and having fun. And that's how connection builds not by saying, do you check all the boxes? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So as you're talking I'm about into this. It. And I want to go on a taco tour in the mission now. See, I was just imagining, I was like, okay, so I'm on a first date. I'm eating five tacos. My stomach is now bloated. I just had cheese. Like these are all the ingredients for not a great experience mm-hmm. for Laura Heck, I'm just saying. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I will definitely go on some sort of a tour. Um, what about, because I am constantly telling couples when they see a therapist for the t- first time, when they meet the therapist in that face-to-face interaction, don't schedule a second session with that therapist because you are going to know, like trust your gut instinct, whether or not you click with the therapist. And I remember reading in your book that when it comes to dating, this concept of having a spark is like, we're almost Mm -hmm. like too focused on feeling that spark. And I've tried to relate it to my life and to the dating world. I'm like, ah, Mm -hmm. I'm going to need Logan to explain this one to the listeners and to me. What is that idea of just why we put too much pressure on the spark? Well, can I, yeah, I mean, I want to contextualize that just a little bit because I think you just triggered something for me. That's almost the exact opposite. And it's Mm. way back when we first moved to Seattle and we were looking for a church, one of the pieces of advice that we got, and I don't know if this would work in the dating world, but it worked for us in this setting, which was go three weeks in a row. When you're trying to find a church, definitely go three weeks in a row Mm -hmm. because you never know, like if you got the off day for the pastor or if you got there on the one day that they ask for money every year or like Mm -hmm. someone you didn't greet, like plus three weeks gives somebody a chance to like say, oh, you were here the last couple of weeks. Like, what's your name? Blah, blah, whatever. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if that would work in modern dating, but it's sort of like commit to three dates or whatever. But anyway, it's sort of a bookend of your question there. And Mm -hmm. now... um, yeah, I wonder what you what you would do with that. Yeah, it's so interesting. I actually really love both of the examples that you gave because mm-hmm. let's just just digging into Laura's, for example, like couples counseling is expensive. You have to get your partner to go. There's a lot of emotional stuff. And so there's actually like a pretty big cost to seeing the, the person who you don't like over and over. Mm-hmm. Whereas with going to a church, you know, it's free and the cost is time or the not the ability to go um, to another church that day. But, you know, it's a it's 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 it's, it's like uh, literally a le- like a less expensive investment. And yeah. so I think dating is more like the church one. And so this is how I would say it is that in my experience, people right now are 
They feel very busy. They feel like there's unlimited choices. And so what they're doing is they're making snap judgments. And Mm -hmm. so what that looks like is they call me and they say, Logan, I went on a date with this guy. We had a great conversation. He's really cute. Um, Lots of stuff in common. I'm not going to see him again. I'm like, what? This is a confusing end to the story. And they're like, yeah, I just didn't feel the spark. And so the spark in my mind has become this all encompassing word. That means I didn't feel instant chemistry. I didn't feel like I was locking eyes with him and I knew him for my entire life. And so I think that they're putting first dates that they have unrealistic expectations. They expect that all of a sudden, all of your problems are going to be solved. And you know that this is your soulmate. And In my experience, and the research supports this, some of the best people out there are the people who take a few dates to really show them who you are. And Mm -hmm. so in Zach's example, maybe the pastor's having a bad day. In this example, maybe the person's really shy and they just don't shine on the first date. And so if you are someone like your friend who's been on 200 dates, you've been doing things your way for a long time. You've been doing things where you go on the first date and you say, if we don't spark, I'm going to move on, but that hasn't worked out. Why don't you try things a different way, which Mm. is I'm going to try as long as something, nothing terrible happens on the first date, I'm going to give this person a chance. And I'm going to say, um, maybe now that they're more comfortable, am I more attracted to them? Or now that I've kind of unpeeled the layers of the onion, who are they? And so a lot of the best people out there, these gems, these, these hidden, these hidden gems are these slow burn people who take time for you to get to know. And so I think that's one of the most important lessons in my coaching in my book is that maybe the person who you're going to end up with is somebody who takes a few dates to warm up. And if you can actually be patient and get to that point with them, you're going to end up with the best long-term partner versus if you just optimize for the spark, you're just going to get a bunch of handsome narcissists who are not great long-term oh, partners. Jeez. Interesting. Zach has his hand raised. <laughs> I'd like okay. to ask, I'd like to ask a question, please. Um, all right. So same friend, uh, who's in the dating world and after being divorced, same age as me, I was like, I was, I'm fascinated by his life. Cause I, I just, I'm mm-hmm. like, this is really interesting mm-hmm. to me. Talk to me about this. Cause he says this never happens, which is, and I'll just use me and you, like I'm, I'm dating. I, I meet Logan. We're not probably going to get married. Like that's, you're not my long-term relationship partner, but I'm like, you're pretty cool. And I don't know, maybe who knows what it is, but like, we agree that like we're not each other's partner. He says, this doesn't happen. Which we'll is go, well, why don't we pre- be friends? Like, do you know anybody? Like, is there anybody that you think mm-hmm. would be a better fit for me? And like, cool. Oh, you also like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm not attracted to you, but we both like foreign films. Well, let's go see a foreign film. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. He, like, what's, the, is it, is it a thing in this like universe of meeting and getting to know people where you're dating and then what you end up with is a, a friend or a community or a network um, versus say the, the yes or no binary of, are you a partner for me? Does that, do you see that ever? He yeah, doesn't. It's, It's interesting. And I think it almost speaks to like a broader cultural issue, which is like making friends is pretty hard. Like, you know, my friend just wrote a book about uh, it's called Friendship in the Age of Loneliness, and it's teaching people how to make friends. And like the reason Mm. why that book was worth writing is because people, especially like in their 30s and beyond, have trouble making friends. And so I think Mm -hmm. part of it is just like we keep ourselves really busy. We don't necessarily invest in new people. And so I think some of it is that. And it is kind of a cliche that you say, hey, let's just be friends. But then you never actually become friends. Um, One kind of side note is that I have heard from clients and friends in the LGBTQ plus community that this is way more common with them. It's Mm -hmm. like if you're a woman who dates women and you go out with a woman, but you're not attracted to them, 
there is probably a higher percentage chance that you become friends with them or that you end up doing stuff like in the queer community together. And so the people I know who have said like, oh, this is my best friend. You know, we met on Hinge, but we weren't a fit, but now we're really good friends. I have actually seen that a lot, Hmm. like among, among that community. Yeah. I think, I Mm -hmm. I think I'd like that part of it. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I I definitely don't want to get back in the dating world. And if I did, I'm not sure I'd be looking for a single partner, but I, I'd like the idea of like, there's people out there that are interesting that just do stuff and, Maybe it's just kind of worth knowing them, even if you're not going to sleep with them or marry them or, you know, grow old with them. I want to ask you just like some other questions because I just want to know you better. Um, You got to tell me last time when we on the interview that we scrapped about your interview with Alain de Botan. I was delighted to hear about that. And I was delighted to hear that he was as lovely as Mm -hmm. he was. But you've interviewed a lot of really cool people. What's your favorite? Like what's your like what's your you're like, you know, who I got to interview that I loved um, that was Mm -hmm. like who's on that list? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, Thanks, I'm practicing my first date questions. I think I was going to say, where'd you go to college and how many brothers and sisters do you have? (laughs) I refuse to share that information. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways I could answer that, but I think it's really like, how have I developed the philosophies that I've had and who's really helped me with that? And so the first person who I'm sure we all share admiration for is Esther Perel, who mm-hmm. I've been lucky enough to do events with. I interviewed her a few times for my book. I actually, um, you know, speaking of re-recording this interview, I once did a three-hour interview with her at my house. I lost that entire recording. <gasps> I then did another interview with her at her at her house, and I lost a bunch of that recording. And so I've had my own issues with audio. But she's definitely mm-hmm. a person who's had a huge impact on how I see relationships in terms of um, – we shouldn't have one person who we go to for everything. We have mm-hmm. these sky high expectations. I mean, her work on desire and kind of what makes people attracted to each other and why we need space, I think is is so profound and so relevant, especially mm-hmm. in a pandemic world where couples are on top of each other and a lot of them have having less sex. Not or, in a good yeah, way. Right. <laughs> They're not on top of each other in the fun way. Yeah. I think she's just yeah. had a huge influence on me and I've just been really lucky to get to learn from her. Um, Dan Ariely is a person who I had the chance to work with at Google and his work on irrational behavior, why we get in our own way has really impacted me and impacted the way I live. Right. Like I, he's not just somebody who I've learned from at work, but someone who's really impacted the way that I make decisions in my own life. And then the last one I would say is the Gottmans, right? Like there's nobody who's done the research that they've done. I feel like when I give a talk, people always say, oh, talk more about the bids thing, right? Mm -hmm. I can't take any credit for it. It's their Mm -hmm. idea. But like bids is just such a simple, profound, beautiful topic that has changed the way I am with my husband. I think it's just, it's so poetic in that it's just like, look, it's not about once a year doing a grand gesture. It's every day paying attention, small things often that I feel like the work that the Gottmans have done on conflict, the four horsemen, bids, all of that just, I feel like is unmatched. And so the ability to work with the Gottman Institute and and interview John and Julie a few times and even sort of develop a relationship with them, I feel like that's really impacted like what I think really matters and what doesn't in relationships. Right on. Um, I I do, I I was half teasing, but I, I, I am fascinated with questions. I think questions are one of the just kind of coolest Mm -hmm. tools that we have. And so I was thinking about I agree. Like kind of, it's so boring when you just sort of do the standard 
Where'd you go to school? Where'd your brother and sisters? Mm-hmm. What's your favorite football team? So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by sort of these pivotal, pivot, when I say pivotal, I mean questions that sort of pivot off the norm. Like who's your coolest interview or who's the most famous mm-hmm. person in your cell phone? Like who's, you know what I mean? You don't have to answer, but mm-hmm. that, I think people will go, huh, I wonder who it is, you know? And I have, I have one that's a kind of a go-to answer, but um, here's my other new favorite one. And this is, uh, this is a first date question. You have $5 million and you, but you you have to use it to start a museum. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your museum. Ooh, that's so fun. I love that. Very original. And I also want to hear who the most famous mm-hmm. person in your phone is. <laughs> it's um, Bono. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. It's not Bono, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a liar. Five right. million dollar museum. museum. Um, hmm. Yeah. Right. Okay, so but see what I mean? Now we're like actually yeah. having a conversation and, and no, I love it. I yeah. think it's a brilliant mm-hmm. question that I'm absolutely going to steal because it kind of gets to like, what are my values? Yeah. So like the first thing that popped into my head is like, what is there, what's lacking? Like, what is there mm-hmm. not a museum on? Mm-hmm. And so, right. It's like, there's a lot of museums about like art. There's a lot of museums about science. Like what is there not a museum on? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm thinking like, what are my favorite museums? Oh, my favorite museums like have a lot of experiential pieces, yeah. right? Like, I don't know where I'm from in, in South Florida. There was a museum when I was a kid where you could walk into the middle and pull this thing up and do a giant bubble around you. And it's like, this is how science yeah. works. It's like, yeah. okay, well, what's experiential. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just thinking about like, I don't know, I guess what popped into my mind was that I was watching, you know who Bo Burnham is? The comedian? Yeah, yeah, Inside. You were yeah, watching Inside. I love it. Yeah, yeah I was, I, I've seen Inside twice now. And I've also just yesterday rewatched his one called Make Happy. And he was making this joke that was like, in school, you learn that white people invented everything except peanut butter, <laughs> which is like kind of this joke because there's a famous um, black inventor who invented peanut butter. And I was just thinking like, what are all the untold stories yeah. from history yeah. and all the untold people? So maybe it's like, the the untold invent, inventors or yeah. maybe you know maybe it could be called like overlooked mm-hmm. and so it's basically like a museum of like what you didn't learn in school or like the people who you're gonna have to yeah, patent the, this this is definitely something people are gonna listen to it and they're like oh yeah I, I have this to idea exist. just came I to, to me exist, where it's like you go mm-hmm. through and you experience like the inventors the business people the writers like the people who are not you know whether it's mm-hmm. female artists like the people who did not uh kind of get their story told in like traditional American history class. Yeah. This might just be the therapist in me or whatever, I but like it. I think the thing that's cool about the, that, that question that I asked, mm-hmm. cause I'm super mm-hmm. smart, um, mm-hmm. is that, <laughs> yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you, you slowed down and stopped talking so fast. Cause you, all that mm-hmm. stuff that you told us before about yes, your book, you've yes. said a million times, you know? And so maybe on, <laughs> maybe on the, on the date, yeah. We try to tap into the, what's the thing we haven't talked about a million times. Oh my God. You know? I, I, I have a word for this that I, I stole from my friend, Krista Berman, who's a behavioral scientist, which is, she calls it press play mode. Mm. So press play mode is like, I say to Laura, how did you get into being a couples therapist? And in her head, she press play on the mm-hmm. tape and she says, well, when I was 22, I interviewed mm-hmm. this person and I realized that couples therapy was a career. Mm-hmm. And then I did blah, 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 blah. And she's not present. She's mm-hmm. maybe making a grocery list in her head. She's just repeating an answer. And press play mode doesn't lead to connection. But if I say to Laura, what is something that you thought was true when you were 13 that you no longer think is true? Maybe Laura's never thought about that. And then she's white people invented peanut butter thinking. Mm -hmm. There we go. (laughs) And so I think you are you nailed it, which is like 
am I having more fun when I'm in the moment and thinking about something new or am I having fun when I'm pressing mm-hmm. play? Like, obviously I'm having more fun when I'm in the moment with you. And so even if we're not a romantic match, at least I had a fun experience where I got to explore my own head and think about interesting things. And you're never going to get And then that. you're more likely to go to your girlfriend and be like, mm-hmm. you know who I loved talking to? I mean, I didn't really want to hook up with him, but you should go meet this guy, Zach or Tom <laughs> or Jim or Tom. Or, you know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. That This is what I think yeah, is yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh. I 100% agree with you. And I think that's great. Yeah, it's the slowing down and thinking versus like repeating the thing you've said a million times. I think that's really smart. Right on. Mm -hmm. Should we land this plane? I'm just looking at the time and think that we're... But before we do this, I I know that you mentioned that Hinge is your day job and you also wrote a book. But I have a sneaking suspicion that you are also available for the public to tap into who you are and what you're offering. So what do you do for people who are interested in getting to know you or working with you? Yeah. So I have a weekly newsletter that goes out. People can find it on my website, loganeary.com. And then I do individual coaching. And right now I'm doing two different things. I'm doing this 90 minute marathon conversation where you basically come to me with one question, right? And it's something like, should I propose to my girlfriend? Should I break up with my boyfriend? Like, um, you know, am I too picky? One question. And for 90 minutes, we work it through. And I really, really like it because I feel like I'm able to give people a lot of clarity within that time, or I have one-on-one ongoing coaching available. And so, yeah, if people are interested in what we talked about today, they can check out my book, but they can also contact me to learn more about working together. Nice. I love it. And the, your book, where do you find your book? Is it just available? It's only, I know it's Amazon, only at used bookstores um, that you have to drive to and wear a mask. That's the only place you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's available, you know, wherever great books are sold. And there's a, obviously an ebook. And then uh, if you want to read a good book to listen to or whatever Zach said, you can, <laughs> yeah. you can listen to me read it. I read it in this book I listened to one mm-hmm. time. <laughs> you can listen to Logan. Yeah speak truth into your soul. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Well, well, listen, thank you. Thank you for coming back again. Um, and I'm glad we're friends and I'll look forward to, uh, watching your career closely and, uh, just mostly also just hearing about your museum when you finally figure out what, how you're going to fund it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. This was so much fun. And I, I think even the second conversation was better. So I'm, I'm really glad we had the chance to spend another hour together. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks Logan. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio and an extra thank you to our guest, Logan Yuri, who has come on for a second time to record this podcast with us. If you are single, if you know somebody who is in and out of the single game and maybe they're like a serial monogamous and they are just really wanting to find love that lasts or maybe somebody who's recently out of a divorce, this would be an incredible book for you to check out by Logan Yuri, How to Not Die Alone. If you're interested in working with Logan, you can find her at loganyuri.com. It's L-O-G-A-N-U-R-Y.com. Thanks for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.